Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So uh, the other day, Jess and I were into some house projects, and I had a piece of wood, a, a board, that I needed to cut. It was essentially about three feet long, about 14 and a half inches wide. Uh, I just, I needed, I needed it to be around 14 inches wide. Um, so I just, I needed a, a little bit just trimmed off this board. And, and here's the thing. I actually have a brand new circular saw uh, that we picked up, I don't know, two or three years ago. Haven't used it once. It's completely brand new. I don't know how to use it. And where I was at in the day, I'm like, I don't, I don't have time to learn how to use a circular saw. It's probably super easy. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's just me and, and hand tools. Like I looked at that thing and I'm like, nope. Um, so I'm out trying to figure out how I can accomplish my project. And off in the distance, I see one of our neighbors and I was like, Ooh, I bet this neighbor could help. I bet they have the tool that could, you know, accomplish what, what needs to happen here. But here's the thing. I'm a child of the times. And I have two main hindrances here. Okay, one is just lack of relationship. I don't, I don't, I don't know this neighbor. There's no relational bridge to, to walk on. Now, now, that doesn't necessarily need to stop me, but it's sort of like that... There's, there's that. Kind of like just a lack of relationship. Um, but there's also just growing up in, in the age of, of where we are right now. I mean, individualism and independence. Like, I can figure this out. I don't need to ask for help, okay? Like, I, I can do this. Now, long story short, I did figure it out, and I was the hero, and we, you know, la, la, la. But, however... You know, this is, uh, it, it's, I'm, a, I'm a product of the times where, um, you know, yeah, it, I have to figure this out. This individualism, this, this independence that, that we have in our framework. And if you think about our, our built environment, you know, people can go to work, they can drive home, they can open their, their garage doors, go right in, shut the garage door, go into their backyard, six foot high fence, don't need to see anybody, they live in this isolated bubble. Now I know that's not everyone's experience, but you know, that, that type of mentality, how, how we have even built our neighborhoods, right? But let me just ask the simple question here this morning, in, in terms of needs, in terms of like just helping others and, and relationships and things like that, could we be doing community better? Could I be doing community better? And the answer is yes. And so sometimes, you know, we need to take a moment and ask without throwing the whole thing away, is, is there something better we could be leaning into? For example, what would it look like if there was a community where you could just share tools so so easily. It was a no-brainer. Now let's talk about the, the church. Let's bring church into this. You know, how much of the American church is affected by individualism and independence? Now here's the thing. Sometimes the best form of critique is by offering an alternative vision. And that's what we're doing today. 
Today is of ecclesiology, the study of the church. That's what ecclesiology means. And, and we're going to take a look at the early church, the infant church. We're going to take a look at this ancient expression of church. And while we don't want to idolize the early church, they had their own set of problems. We can certainly learn from them. And I believe they, they can give us an alternative vision. An alternative vision of how we can do and be community here in the 21st century. And so we are in Acts chapter 2. And today uh, we are lifting up the value of sacrificial community. And so uh, let, me, let me pray for us and then we'll get into it. Dear Jesus, may we have a vision of you today. And may we learn how to do the things that you did. May, may, may we see, um, see this lifestyle that comes uh, from following you, Lord. Would you shape our mission? Would you shape our church today? Um, as we get into Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit, be here today. And may, may, we, get, um, may we get a good vision today. Bless our hearts, our heads, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 2. So we're in the first century in Acts chapter 2. And uh, the world, the world actually has enough religion going on. You have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes. And there's other cults and pagan relationships, or excuse me, uh, pagan religions and philosophies out there. And, and uh, what we see is, you know, Jesus didn't need to start a new religion, he came to free people up. And his followers, they, they found hope. They found freedom. They found this new way of, of living. And it's not that they didn't have religious things to do. It's that they had a new relational reality with Jesus at the center. And they, they had rhythms. The early church had rhythms. They were devoted which means they attended to. They, they had steadfastness on a regular basis. They were devoted. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it gives a four-part breakdown of these rhythms here. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. And so in your handout there, I believe it's on the back side, we have four points today. Here's our first point. I want you to see, I want you to get a vision here, this early church. They were a community of learning. They did life together. They had meals together and they prayed. They were devoted to prayer. So they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. What does that mean? Well, the apostles were Jesus's messengers. The, at this point, 11 disciples, his delegates, uh, representatives with, with this unique status. Jesus lived with them. He trained them. He equipped them. He taught them about the kingdom of God. He also showed them what the kingdom of God looks like. Jesus reintroduced the God that they know, the God of the Torah, as Father. That makes us family. And then Jesus sent them out. That's what apostle means, the, the sent one. Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand, people. God's kingdom is breaking in. Therefore, repent and believe the good news. 
Let's do this. Now remember, the the apostles, they didn't have the New Testament. What we see is the apostles, the, the early church leaders, they were people of the story. And now they're people of Jesus' story. And so when we think about this theology, faith-seeking understanding, it was uh, what they were doing. Like now they're, it's like this is faith in light of Jesus, faith in light of his ministry, his death, resurrection, and ascension. All right. We are making sense now of this whole big long story that we call the Old Testament now. We are making sense of this now in light of Jesus, in light of the cross and resurrection. And the apostles... Once again, they were teaching the ways of Jesus. In the early church, they were devoted to learning. They were devoted to fellowship. The Greek word here is koinonia. You may have heard that that expression before, that, that, that term here, koinonia. It's fellowship, sharing, mutual interest, community, this idea of, of fellowship. But it's, 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 it's a deep fellowship, koinonia. It's not just associating with one another, but really it's about sharing food and other necessities too. This Jesus community really was like family. One big family. And you know what families do? Families eat together. And they were devoted to breaking bread. Now some scholars think this is just talking about communion, the Lord's Supper. Others say this, no, this, like this was just a common meal. They all met up with one another and they, they ate together. I think it's both. I think there's room for, for both here. You know, they got together. They had a big barbecue or, or made sandwiches, whatever the case may be. They had a meal. And yeah, maybe a part of that meal was, yeah, get the bread and the wine out. And they, they remembered Jesus. They did communion together. And they were devoted to praying, devoted to the prayers. Now, they're, you know, mostly Jewish in this early church. And so they're probably highly influenced by Judaism and the Psalms and things like that. But, yeah, they were devoted to praying. Peter, one of the leaders, years later, you know, he was still encouraging churches to be sober-minded and vigilant and, and praying. That's First Peter 4, 7. Prayer, big, big part, big value of the early church. And so for us today, Plymouth Meeting Church, can we be inspired by these rhythms? Keeping it simple, you know, what, what if we started to practice these rhythms more and more? Keeping it simple, what, what would this look like if, if we just leaned into this, getting, getting a vision, being a community of learning life together, meals, and prayers. Now, we do all of those things, but perhaps there's more we could do, or, or there's, a, there's a different way that we could do these four things. And again, today is just about getting a vision and seeing, hey, maybe there's, there's some tweaks we can make. And then it says in verse 43, it said, all, A-W-E, all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so these, these leaders of the early church community, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit 
And they were doing signs and wonders. They were doing what Jesus did. Okay, They were under the influence of God's presence and God's power. And they were doing unexpected things. Now, signs and wonders, they typically go together in the New Testament. Uh, a sign points, to, points people to God. Wonders or, or miracles, that's like a, that, that is a supernatural event. God is intervening there. And I was reading that a sign appeals to the mind. A wonder appeals to the imagination. Signs and wonders. Long story short, everyone in the city was in awe. So thinking about this, may this be our, our second point this morning. Ask yourself, when was the last time you were in awe of God's presence and power? God has promised to be with us. Like, that is an essential truth that we, we claim. We, we know that. God tells us. That is a promise. Emmanuel, right? That, you know, Christmas time, Advent season. Emmanuel, God with us. But let's be real. There are, there are days where I, I'm like, hmm, did I, did I miss God today? Was there a God sighting, a God sighting that I missed, you know? Again, there, I, I, I know that the essential promise that God is with me. But it, did I miss him move? Did he manifest his power and presence in a unique way and I, I missed it? Was I distracted today? So how can we seek out God's presence and, and power? How can we create a culture of all? Well, that would be, that could be a sermon series. We could write a whole book on that. But what I have today... Um, it comes from a book written by author Alec Rowland. If you're taking notes right now, I ask that you put your, your pens down and just, just listen. We're going to move through these quickly. Um, but Alec Rowland gives some tips on how to seek God's presence in our life. And the first one is this. Choose adventure over safety. Choose adventure over safety. Now let me just tell you a quick story. I was over at, at BJ's, and you need to know, when, when I go to the store, Cameron Smith gets into, like, store mode. I'm in the zone, okay? I'm in the zone. And there wasn't, like, anybody at the store. And so, you, if you know how the store is laid out, you, you kind of go in, and then there's the, the cell phone booth. And there's two people managing that. And honestly... I wanted to go the other way. I, I don't want to talk to cell phone people right now. Okay? And so, but then because of being, you know, in, in my preparation time, because this was in my head and heart, I was like, no, like, you have to engage. Let's see. Let's see what happens. And so I, I went by them. Sure enough, they stopped me. Hey, sir. What? What cell phone company do you have? You know, like uh, so, something like that. Having, had a nice conversation, got to learn, you know, the one guy's name and, and all of that. It didn't go anywhere. We, have, we moved on. I actually called Jess and I was like, hey, should we switch phone companies? Like, it's actually, you know, we could get new phones here. So, but, but anyways, long story short, yeah, nothing maybe perhaps happened. But that, you know, seeking out God's presence and power means 
we're going to have to accept it. Most likely, we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone or store zone, grocery store zone. Okay? Choose adventure over safety. Two, pursue revival. Coming back to life is what revival means. You know, seek to be fully alive in all areas of life. Prayer, obedience, worship, service. Three, you can't force a special encounter with God. Okay? Instead, you are invited to prepare yourself. To put God, number one, at your life. In your life. Number four, expect to encounter God. Expect to encounter God. Number five, you're invited to remember, repent, and return. Seeking out God's power, God's presence. Yeah, remember a, a, a time where, where you felt like you were just so close to God. Like you were just enjoying such a true relationship with God. Now, sometimes I think we get a little too attached to feelings. It's not all about feelings, but it's okay to remember those good feelings. When you were close to God, when you felt that fire, remember that. When God leads you into repentance, when God leads you to believe the good news. Number six, draw near to God with confidence. He welcomes you. Again, it's an invitation. Seven, remove distractions, confess sins, cast your anxieties to God. And eight, pursue both head and heart knowledge of God. When head and heart start getting closer and closer together, we call that sanctification. So as a community here, and we, we could talk more about that, like pursuing God's presence and power. But as a community here, can we start applying these, these tips, these invitations? Let's, let's seek out God together. The apostles, they were doing signs and miracles. They were creating a culture of all. And maybe it just starts with all of us striking up conversations at, at the grocery store. I don't know. But they created a culture of all. And the infant church community, they, they were devoted to, to prayer and doing light together. They ate together. They prayed together. They were learning together. They created a culture of all. And next, we see this special togetherness on display. Verses 44 and 45. All the believers together, uh, they had everything in common. They sold property, they sold possessions, and they gave, it to, they gave it away to anyone who was in need. Let me pause here and say again, you know, it's not totally fair to compare the first century to the 21st century, our expressions of church. However, let's put the ancient expression in dialogue with our expression today. And again, yes, let's, let's learn, let's grasp a vision. And our third point today is this. Imagine, use your imagination. What if your church experience was more like doing life together in a spiritual co-op seven days a week? A spiritual co-op, a cooperative is a voluntary association of people united with common values. And this infant church, they just had this spiritual harmony that was so beautiful. They had this togetherness. They were with one another all the time. And their model of doing church together and taking care of everyone, it meant that they needed some type of economic engine. Okay? 
But what we see is this hardcore fellowship. We see this koinonia driven by the love of Christ, and it had surprising impacts on the community. They were culture makers, okay? They created a culture where all the needs were met. They sold possessions, property, okay? Their economics was more like agape-nomics, okay? Now, PMC is, is crowdfunded, as the kids would say these days. We are a, a, a not-for-profit. Our economic engine comes from tithes and offerings. And with, with gratitude, we are so thankful for your gracious generosity. Today, today's about asking, is there more? Is there a bigger story? Is there something bigger to be inspired by? Again, let's take a look at this ancient church. Out of the devotion that they had to Christ and each other, we see interdependence. We celebrate Independence Day as Americans tomorrow. In the church, church, what if we started our own holiday and called it Interdependence Day? All right? Where we just... We sell a bunch of stuff and, and we pull our money together and we go bless our community. Because it, it's, it's about interdependence. Okay? Now here's, here's the thing though. Um, you know, we would be like, okay, yeah, let's do a church yard sale. And, and uh, where are we going to stage this stuff? Who's going to price it? Who's going to manage the, the yard sale? How do we advertise the yard sale? And then the early church would just be like, why are you being so churchy about it? Don't overthink it. Sell stuff and give God's money away to help others. <laughs> I feel like that's what the ancient church would, would tell us today. But again, they were culture makers. They, they created a culture that eradicated need. And then the last two verses we'll look at today. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now remember, highly highly Jewish here. The majority of them are Jewish. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How often did they gather? Every single day. They did life together. They ate meals in their homes together. Acts chapter 2 is talking about food again. Maybe we should pay attention to that. So our fourth point today is, let's put this into practice. Let's put it into practice. Let's meet up and eat up with simplicity of heart. This church in Acts chapter 2, for now, they, they just seem so great. Nobody is stubbing their toes. Nobody is stepping on toes. It's lightweight and low maintenance. And they shared food with joy and gladness. And the, your translation might say, uh, you know, like sincere hearts and, or something like that. The Greek word implies simplicity of heart. They kept it simple. They did life together. They shared meals together. They ate together with simplicity of heart. They met up to praise God every day. And they enjoyed the favor and the grace of all the people. And the impact is, is, is pretty clear. The Lord added 
to their number daily those who are being saved. Now putting all of this together, as, as a church planner, his name is Hugh Halter, as he defines it, we get a portrait of sacrificial community. Sacrificial community. We see a counter-cultural movement of God. It wasn't Amish style. No offense, Amish. Okay. But they didn't circle up and just shun the city. But it also wasn't center-seeking and power-seeking. They didn't all become Pharisees and try to change things from the inside out. What they did is they simply just did life together, and it was on display. Now, you are all aware, I bet you are, I would put money on this, the evangelical church in America is in an emergency department. And there's many doctors and nurses walking away, throwing up their hands. It's, it's rough. There's many doctors and nurses who still care, and they're trying to do triage. And it's like, wow, the American church is hurting all over. But what's the most important, like, urgent need to attend to? And there's many answers to that question. As we just slow down today, can we be inspired by the ancient church of Acts chapter 2? Can we embrace can we embrace the value of sacrificial community? And I don't want to take away or belittle all of us who have given time, money, blood, sweat, tears, emotional energy, other resources. We have given away so much for the, the community that we have here. I don't want to take away any of that. I'm just simply saying, is there a bigger story? More of this value of sacrificial community that we can lean into a little bit more and be inspired by the intense love and fellowship that they had. Again, they created a culture that eradicated need, at least for a little bit. And here's the, I guess the, the honest part of it is I don't necessarily know how to start that shift other than simply by talking about it. Let's talk about it. Hey, this is what the, the early church did. You know, do we have to do exactly what they did? No, but we can learn from them. Let's talk about it. What does sacrificial community look like? And also, I don't know how to start this shift other than by talking about it and also knowing that I can start in my own life to lean this way. Sacrificial community, it is the Jesus way. And so let us be challenged and encouraged by these ancient values and rhythms. Learn together, do life together, eat together, pray together, seek God's presence and power. This idea, this value of sacrificial community, let's move with simplicity of heart. And let's try to make sense of all of these values, make sense of all of this and what it would look like today in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And so the call to action today is this. I want you to have a conversation or conversations about what you heard today. Have a conversation about what sacrificial community looks like 
for us to be an Acts 2 kind of church. That's your call to action today. Let's continue the conversation. Let's talk about Acts chapter 2, what we see, what we can learn, what we can do. Let's pray.